That's right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Principles of Fitness podcast. My name is Cameron Harn, and man, am I excited to bring you this next episode. I went all the way out to Palm Desert, California to interview a guy who owns a studio called Thrive Fitness Studio. The man's name is Jay Nixon, and he is absolutely crushing it. In an environment where you'd think it's just, you I mean, I wouldn't imagine anybody to be doing as well as he's doing out in, out in the desert. You know, most of us think that we need to go to LA or, you know, go to a location where the money is, but this guy is crushing it in an area that is supposed to be seasonal. I mean, this guy's supposed to be out of business right now, but he is just impacting the lives of so many people. His studio consists of over 200 members, which they have coined themselves the Thrive Tribe. And when I walked into his studio, I was expecting to walk into a humongous uh, training facility, but it was an 808 square foot facility that he packs all the all of these members into, uh, roughly 30 or so a class. And when I asked Jay, how do you do it? How do you fit so many people into such a small studio? His response was, it is the most beautiful scene of organized chaos that you've ever seen. And I mean, this guy has just such a unique ability to connect with people. And that's one of the big things that we talked about on this episode is his ability to connect, the importance of connecting with your members and just just relating to them, knowing as much as you possibly can about them and what type of impact that has on them and ultimately that it has on you. We also go over the adversities that he faced as a child and how he sees those as a blessing to him now in his adult life. Um, what he drew out of that and how he grew from those experiences and how he uses those experiences to impact the lives of his members and those all around him. Which leads me to talk about the influence that Jay has had on his members. He focuses primarily on weight loss and his clients have lost 60, 70, upwards to 150 pounds and kept it off. And Jay says that is primarily mindset. It's the psychology behind uh, gaining weight and being overweight, which he talks about in his book, The Overweight Mind. You can check it out at theoverweightmind.com. And in this book, Jay talks about the psychology behind being overweight and how it's not just the fact that you ate too many cookies or you just couldn't stop yourself from eating, but there's more. There's a deeper problem behind why you gained weight. And he has he equips people with the skills and the tools necessary to overcome that mindset and get yourself into a better state of mind so that you can lose weight and you can keep it off. Just an incredible read. I highly recommend you go and check it out. So just to wrap this all up, incredible, incredible man, incredible interview. I'm so pleased and blessed to bring you this conversation that I have with Jay. And he kind of flips the script on me towards the end and asks me a few questions about uh, why I do what I do, um, where I see the fitness industry going and something else. I can't even remember at this point. It's five in the morning and I'm still, still a little groggy. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode of the Principles of Fitness podcast with Jay Nixon. Jay. So we're live right now, man. Anything you say can and will be recorded from this point on. Perfect. All right. Um, just to make sure that the quality is good, go ahead and just tell me what you had for breakfast today. Um, I haven't eaten yet. I'm intermittent fasting right now. So, really? Yeah. You're the second person to tell me they haven't had breakfast. Yeah. 
Why is that? Um, I just, I've started about, I have um, psoriatic arthritis. Okay. So I'm always like trying to guinea pig myself to see if anything will bring down my inflammation. Really? So I get my blood tested about every six months mm -hmm. just to see where my CRP is, my C-reactive protein. And about a year ago, my C my C it's always high, right? So a year ago, I started intermittent fasting and my CRP was like, it's off the charts high, like 40, 40 something. It should be three. Wow. Three is the high level. Should be like either zero to three. Mine was Holy at forty cow. something. So I'm like, all right. So, but that that's typical of someone with arthritis, right? Like yeah. it's always going to be elevated. So I started intermittent fasting about a year ago, and since I when I evaluated my blood, I just got it done about two weeks ago. Went from forty down to twenty. So I dropped twenty points wow. in a year. And so all the research I did on intermittent fasting was that it would bring down like systemic inflammation because of when your body doesn't have to focus on like digestion mm -hmm. and things of that nature, you're creating, so everything we do causes inflammation. Yeah. E eating, right? It's, you're still gonna get some free radicals and blah, 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 just because you're using energy and anytime energy is used, it's gonna create that. But yeah, since I've done it, man, my, my CRP's dropped, uh, my inflammatory levels, and I don't take any medications. Like I've had this since I was probably like 15 years old. No way. And I'm on zero pharmaceuticals, no Advil, no nothing. So I manage it all with diet. So I'm always looking for a hack. You okay. know what I mean? Like if you're yeah. not going to do pharmaceuticals, you kind of got to, you got to look for hacks. Absolutely. Um, how long is the fast? Um, I do. So normally I'll eat by noon. Okay. Um, but so I'll usually end my fast at night between six and seven. And then depending on when I stop eating at night, that'll depend on if it's like 11 or noon the next day. Okay. Six and seven, 11 or noon. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible, man. Yeah. I don't know if I could do that. I, I get too hangry. Yeah. I used to, too. I mean, Lord, my wife would tell you. She'd be like, listen, if, I, if we were, like, somewhere, I'd be like, she's like, oh, God, here we go. <laughs> like, it's going to just, come on, man. Now, I don't know if I've just trained myself. I don't know if it's psychological, but I don't even, doesn't bother me at all. Really? Like, I could, I could push to, as long as I'm busy, right? Yeah. As long as I'm doing something, mm -hmm. I could push to, like, one or two. Wow. And not eat. Yeah. Now, I will tell you this, I've dropped some size, right? So yeah. I'm about a buck. Um, when I played college football, I weighed about 225. No way. Now I'm about a, between a buck 55 and a buck 65. <laughs> 65 on a you know, great day, yeah. usually around 160. So yeah, in, this, in the year's time frame that I've been doing it, I've probably, I was probably about 185 when I started. So probably 20 pounds down. Now, are you doing high fat also? Are you doing like a yeah. ketogenic diet? Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm definitely very minimal carbohydrates. Minimal carbohydrates, virtually no sugar. Okay. You know what I mean? Unless it's just naturally yeah, occurring yeah. something, but I'm not eating, you know, not eating outside sources of sugar. So really high protein, really high, high fat. Min cool. Minimal carbohydrates. My carbs come from like asparagus, green beans, occasionally a sweet potato. That's about as wacky as I get. Awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. That's so and cool. it just works for me. Like, so I don't even really tell other people that I do a lot of this because it's like, you know, people are like, oh, it's just a fad or whatever. I'm like, listen, it works for me, but I've seen a ton of people it doesn't work for. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not something that I prescribe to my clients because most of my clients are female. And all the research I've done shows that intermittent fasting doesn't work that well for a female because of hormone cycles, mm. all that kind of jazz. It could really screw up their, you know, their hormones, their yeah. periods, all that kind of jazz. Yeah. No, I, I like that. It's not a one-size-fits-all approach, which everybody seems to be looking for. It's that one diet, that one trick that's going to you know, solve all their problems. And uh, I think uh, Dom D'Agostino, he said that like one in every four people who do a ketogenic diet, it's not going to work for. Right. And it's like, thank you. Thank yeah. you for saying that, you know, because you know, it does work for some and it just doesn't work for others. Right. 
Um, and that's that's my me. Like I'm not the intermittent fasting ketogenic guy. Like yeah. I'm not gonna be out there waving the flag. I don't have the T-shirt. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it works for me, and that's why I do it for me. But I don't even I don't even use it with my clients because of most people can't. Yeah. Most people can't stop eating at six o'clock at night and not eat again until eleven o'clock the next day. Like you said, it's, somebody's gonna get hurt. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? And so I don't set people up for failure. I'm a super disciplined person, right? Like, mm -hmm. so I'm regimented, I'm disciplined, I have habits and rituals. And if I get a habit or a ritual, it's just a habit or a ritual. It doesn't matter how hard it is. Like, I don't mind going through the suck yeah. to get to the benefit. And for me, it's all about the science, right? When I look at my blood and say, okay, your inflammation's gone down this many points, that's what, you know, I'm, I'm about longevity. That's definitive. Right, right. Like, like, right. Done deal. Right. So that's why I do it, because it works for me, right? Yeah. So, Jay, we're in your... 800 square foot facility. 808. 808. Don't cheat me out of I that can't. eight feet. <laughs> <laughs> no, the eight square feet in here in Palm Desert, California, man. Can you, can you tell me growing up, is this what you envisioned for your life? Is this what you saw that you'd be doing? No. You know what? I, first of all, I wanted to be a garbage truck driver when I was a kid. <laughs> um, I, I grew like up, a lot of kids do. I grew up in a tiny town in West Texas, about 4,000 people. And I have no idea. I don't even remember if we had a garbage truck. We might have had a dude in a pickup truck. I don't remember. <laughs> but I envisioned myself like living in New York City, like being a trash man. Don't know why. Really? But anyway, once I moved out of that, once I figured out, hey, man, that's not going to do it, right? Not going to fulfill the dreams. I've always been like a sports guy. I thought I would play some kind of sports and, you know, you name it, I thought I would do it. Surgeries later, you know, I just kind of, but I've always gravitated toward like fitness. I've always loved it. Started lifting weights when I was in the sixth grade. Okay. Um, and loved it. Like I would beg my coaches like in the summer. You know, you grew up in a town of 4,000 people. It's not very big. There's not much to do. In the summer, I would literally ride my bike to my coach's house and beg him to let me either take me to the gym and let me lift weights or to give me the key. And at first, he would say, no, man, I'm not doing that. I showed up every day. Every and finally, day. he was like, okay, man, are you, you're going to keep coming back. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm coming back <laughs> every day, coach. And then he would finally let me do it. He would, he would give me the key and let me go to the gym and let me lift weights. This was like when I was in the eighth grade. Loved it, man. And I was a weird kid, so we had this town 45 minutes away. So 4,000 people, you have to go somewhere to get stuff, right? Yeah. So the, the biggest, the closest big town was about 45 minutes away, and they had a mall. So my mom would go to the mall, and I would always go inside GNC, and I would read the magazines. I would look at bottles. I'd read labels. Half the time, I didn't even know what I was looking at. But I was the kid, like, I was spending my money on, like, boron and, like, weird vitamins that I would read about, like, amino acids in these magazines. What interested you in that, though? I don't know. You have no idea. I have no idea. Well, I was, I was infatuated with, I think, I've, like I said I've, earlier, I've always been a super disciplined person, so yeah. I've always loved um, things that were hard. So I've always loved, like, if I did anything, I wanted to be the best, right? And so for me, lifting weights was that thing where I knew I was never going to master it. Like, I knew no matter how good at it I got or how strong I got, there was always a next level. Yeah. And so I think that's what, what gravitated me toward, like, just the, the fitness and whatever. Like I said, most sixth graders, the funny story, when I was in the eighth grade, I bench pressed and squatted more than most of the varsity football players. No way. Yeah. Eighth grade? Eighth grade. I was a, I was a beast. In the eighth grade, I squatted, I want to say it was, like, between 250 and 300 pounds, and I bench pressed 225 pounds in the eighth grade. Are those one rep maxes, or are we looking at reps? No, like one, like one rep max. Okay. Yeah, 225 yeah. is an eighth grader. God. Pretty decent. Yeah. But I've been this big since I was in the eighth grade. Well, I that's... didn't grow anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's that Texas strength for you, man. Exactly. So 
eighth grade, you've got, you know, you're kind of like your passion for fitness is igniting your, um, you know, you're reading labels and stuff. What are you doing from there? After high school, what happens? Um, so I, I got my, I think I became a personal trainer when I was like 19 years old. Okay. But like you and I talked about earlier, like personal training wasn't considered a career. Yeah. Right. You know, back in, you know, I'm 42 now. So, you know, I was supposed to get a job, get a pension, mm -hmm. get insurance, get everything. It's time to get your career moving. Yeah. Time to get rolling on that. Like, what are you going to do, man? You're going to have a family someday. You're going to need benefits, all this. And so, you know, I went into the workforce and I've always been into science. So I went into the medical field, um, worked in hospitals, all that kind of stuff. And then I, I just got so I got kind of disenfranchised with like medicine in general. Um, just like, you know, the normal working in a hospital medicine type thing. And so I went into um, the nutrition world. So I started working for Optimum Nutrition and American Bodybuilding. Oh, no way. Yeah. And so I used to work for those guys back in the days of when Ephedra was the, the jam. You know what I mean? When, when <laughs> whey protein was 1999, you know, that's kind of, so that's kind of what got me back into the fitness realm. Okay. And so, yeah, ever since then, I've always done something related to fitness, something related to like the human body and, and performance. Okay. So then where do you go from, I mean, did you, you went to school, did you, I mean, you said earlier you played football. Yeah. Um, started to get into this nutrition company side of things. How, what brought you out to California? Um, I actually met my, my girl in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico, about 13 years ago. I was living in Texas at the time. Yeah. Um, in the nutrition industry. Um, I'd been, I dabbled a little bit in the pharmaceutical industry as well and met her in Cabo. She lived in Los Angeles. Um, three months later, I packed up my gear and moved to Los Angeles. The rest, wow. the rest is downhill. And, and so, yeah, I moved there and like, you know, like, you know, hey, man, you got to figure it out. Like, yeah. you got to get a job. And so I, I got back into the medical field of like um, doing clinical research, like um, clinical research analysis. So we'd review like clinical data and, you know, figure out which was the best medicine or best procedure for said patient. And then we, we got a house out here in Palm Desert just as a kind of like a vacation home. And this, you're, this is going to sound completely insane. Somehow I started the business. I have no idea. Like I'd been a trader since I was 19 and like all of our friends that were kind of out here were kind of like into tennis and stuff like that. And they were like, oh, could you help me get in shape for tennis? Yeah. And so I started training like one person and then two people and then three people and it just kind of steamrolled. And I woke up one morning and I had a fitness business in Palm Desert. Perfect. <laughs> now, did you, did you go out and ask them if they wanted a personal trainer? Did they, they, they just approached you and like, Hey, do you do personal training? How did that conversation start? I've always been super fit. So I've always been like, I work out seven days a week. If there's an eighth day, I'm probably going to train. Um, <laughs> and so I've always been, you know, you go to a, a social function or whatever. And if you're a fit guy in a room of not fit guys, the questions are always what do you do? about being fit, yeah. right? How do I get more, you know what I mean? There's always nutrition. There's always fitness questions. And so it just kind of started from like, hey, what would you do for this? You know, how would you fix this? Like, would you work with me? Would you, you know, you, you probably get this all the time. Like, hey, will you, will you write me a program for, yeah. you know, for this? Like, I'm like, oh Lord, like you're not going to do anything with it. No. Yeah. So finally I started saying, no, I won't write you a program, but if you want me to work with you, I'll meet you here three days a week, blah, blah, blah. And that kind of just steamrolled into, you know, back into the fitness biz. Did you train people at the tennis court? Did you go to a gym? How did this, where did you go? A little, at first, a little bit of everywhere, man. Okay. Um, I actually rented space from a, I call it like a chiropractic office. I probably had about really? 200 square feet of nothing and I just made it work. 
with one client and that one client turned to two and then I moved to a bigger space where I started renting from, you know, like it's like a gym, but the five or six personal trainers will rent space and bring their own clients in. Um, I bounced around from two or three of those and then one of the places I was in, I was in a country club using their facility. I was paying them to train clients there and we got this weird, I was telling you, we got this weird crazy flood and my business was gone overnight. Like I went from, you know, having a place to go every day to, you know, this place is flooded, we'll see you later. And they weren't gonna be back open for, I think it, when it all was said and done, I don't think they opened back up for over a year. Wow. Yeah. So I went from there to like, hey man, I got all these clients, what are we gonna do? So I was out on tennis courts, I was, you know, just figuring it out. So how did you, how did you make it work? Once the flood and everything happened? Yeah. Well, I just knew it had to work. I mean, you get, like I said earlier, I'm super disciplined, I'm super ritualistic and, and regimented. I'm like, okay, well this is, in my in hindsight, the flood was actually the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm -hmm. Like, if without the flood, I don't know where I would be today. Like, I don't know if we'd be sitting in my studio right now. Um, it kind of pushed me. So, you know, Lori and I always, she always says, you know, the universe will talk to you. Like, sometimes it'll nudge you. Like, hey, you need to do this. You need to do this. And most of the time, as guys, we don't listen, right? Because yeah. we're super smart. <laughs> we know everything. <laughs> we know everything. And, um, and then she'll always say, you know, if you don't listen, eventually it's going to hit you over the head. Yeah. And so... She was always telling me, hey, get your own, you need your own place. You need your own place. And I'm like, ah, babe, I'm good. I'm good. I think this, I'm good here. Yeah, this is working I'm good. right it's now. It's working right now, yeah. right? Because these guys, we don't like change. Like we like, you know. And so the flood was, was really, um, it was me getting hit over the head. And so, like I said, flooded. Um, I'd went to Maui for my 40th birthday. I rented this place almost sight unseen. Just saw it on the internet and knew when I got home, my people, my clients wanted to train somewhere and I better have somewhere to get, you know, to, to bring them or I was going to lose them, you know? And so rented this place and it'll be three years ago in November and it's been down his best decision I've ever made, man. Thank you for the flood. You yeah, know? seriously. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to backtrack a little bit because yeah. you said you started training at 19. Mm -hmm. um, and then did you just get discouraged about training? What prompted you to go into the medical field? Never really trained. I got my personal training certificate because I loved okay. training. Yeah. I just I was just really doing it for me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what can I do to learn more? Like I said, I've been reading like protein bags since I was like eight years, you know, in the eighth grade. Yeah, yeah. So it was more about like, I'm just going to do this because I want to learn everything there is to know about fitness. Mm -hmm. And back then, you know, it was either, you know, there wasn't the internet like it is today, yeah. right? You couldn't go online and like research everything you wanted to know about like, you know, the big toe curl and all that stuff. You had to like, you had to seek out information. And so in my mind, it was like, this is the next step and just bettering yourself. Like okay. figuring out like, what am I gonna do to make myself more fit? So I really did it for me. I had no intentions of, of ever, you know, training a client. I, cause really? again, I thought I would be corporate America, you know, wearing a suit every day, you know, collected a pension when I was 50 or whatever, however that whole thing works, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. You know, I don't even know anymore. So you never even really pursued no. training at 19? No. It was just, I'm going to go get the certification for some reason and then yeah. transfer I over to medical. Legitimately got it just because, I, like I said, I wanted to be better for me. Like I wanted, to, I wanted to be more efficient. I wanted to get to the best physique and the best fitness that I could get to. And I thought, okay, you know, when you read the magazines, like you see all the professional personal trainers in muscle and fitness back in the 1980s. Yeah, yeah. And those were the dudes, right? Like I grew up back in the time of, you probably don't know what cybergenics is. I do know where cyber. Shut your mouth, yeah. really? Yeah. So a cyber. Bit. Okay, so that was like the that was it. That yeah. was like the first like, I don't even know what you'd call it, almost like infomercial, if you yeah. will. So I grew up in the time of like cybergenics, like Metrex was like mm -hmm. the old white packaging. 
Like oh, Bill yeah. Phillips was the dude, you know what I mean? Like he was the, you know, the god of all gods. And so information. Yeah, old school, man. Oh yeah. I mean, I used to. I mean, I've. You guys don't know how lucky you have it. Like if you're, yeah, if you're young, growing up in the business, <laughs> you should be praying. You should be thanking the gods of the nutrition world because back when I was young, stuff tasted horrible. Oh yeah. I mean, there was stuff I'd have to hold my nose just to get it down. Awful. Yeah, and so that's kind of where I grew up, and I grew up seeing these guys in the magazines. And that was it. Like, it's like if, you know, there was nowhere else to get information. Like, that was it. You either picked up muscle and fitness, and you can only read that so many times. I'm like, so the next logical step was maybe I'll learn something new if I go and I become a personal trainer. You know what I mean? So I'll learn how to, you know, craft my own body. What course did you take? I took a course. This is so crazy. It was a course called, this is so long ago. It was at Sam Houston University in Texas, and it was a course that was through the university called the National Institute of Preventative Medicine. I think that's right. National the Institute, National of, Preventative Institute of Preventative Not Medicine. Not even anything about personal training. The, but that's what they were. They were, but no, it didn't, didn't have personal training in the title or okay. anything. No, but that's what they did. They had a, they had a personal training certification course that they would, they would bring you through. Okay. Yeah. And so that was the, I, and I have how did I get there? I have no idea. I don't even remember what, how I found, like I said, back then, information was limited, yeah. right? Like there weren't all these like resources there are today. You couldn't, like today, if you have a credit card and an internet connection, you can be a personal trainer. Oh yeah. Yeah, like back then it was like you had to find a place, go to a class, like it was a full blown like undertaking. It was almost like taking a college course. So I remember I drove to Sam Houston State University and I spent like four days there, like going to class every day. Like their strength and conditioning coaches were training mm. the class. It was like, you know, all that kind of jazz. But again, it wasn't because I wanted to start a business. Like I was just trying to be, you know, I thought maybe um, at that time I still loved sports so much. I thought maybe there would be like a, an avenue into like some kind of sports related, you know, training or yeah. whatever it might be. But again, I was a 19 year old kid. Like I just, I was just looking for info. Okay. I just wanted to better me. So then you move out to California. You're mm -hmm. start, your business is starting to pick up. When did you start to treat personal training like an actual business because we've talked about we talked about that a little bit earlier yeah. that you know people kind of get into the industry they treat it a little bit more like a hobby yeah. you know it's just kind of something fun you know okay I'm gonna train a couple clients here take a nap go back and train a few more but they never get into that business side of personal training when was do you remember that moment when it was like okay I need to this is what I need to do 100% yeah so I was resistant like I didn't want a personal training business. Um, my girl Lori kept saying, you need to be a personal trainer. Like, you need to do this. You need to start this business. Because listen, if I have a free moment, like I'm working out. You Was know that I mean? because so many people were asking you about training or just because you had such a passion for working out? She's just smart, dude. I don't know. Like she's way smarter than me and she could just see it like yeah. in me. And she's like, you're going to be so good at this. Like you, this is what you need to do. But again, I was stuck in that mindset of, you know, that I got to get a corporate job, right? Like I got to have security. I got to have all these things. And I was also like, we talked about, I was stuck in the mindset of like, I didn't necessarily, and don't take offense to this anybody. I didn't want to be labeled as a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because I had that picture in my mind of going to the big box gym and watching the turnover rate of people not even really caring about the job and, and everything like that. And I just didn't want, because when somebody said personal trainer, I pictured myself working at like 24-hour fitness, and I'm like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Like, I just, that's not where I'm at right now. Like, I want to be, you know, I want to be successful, and I thought that was through corporate, right? I thought that you had to get a corporate gig to do that. And so finally, 
you know, after she had said that for probably a year, um, like I said, people just started asking me out here, like, will you help me with this? Will you train me on this? And I don't even know. Like I said, I don't know how it happened, man. It just, next thing I know, I woke up and I'm, I got a training business and we're, you know, and, I, and like I said earlier, I'm the kind of guy, I'm ritualistic. My habits are, you know, are great. And so once I start doing something, like I go all in on it. So I just went all in and here we are. You mentioned that you were you journaled a lot mm-hmm. and that you journaled about this place. Can you tell me a little bit about your the habit of journaling that you did? Yeah, so probably I'd say for the last probably 10 plus years, I've been into like coaching and mentoring and, you know, just being my best self, my best version of me. And everybody, you know, like we talked about Tim Ferriss earlier. I think I listened to a podcast that he said the other day that like, 80 or 90% of the most successful people that he's ever interviewed, like journaling is a practice that they do on a daily basis. Yeah. And so I believe success leaves footprints, right? And so as I've grown through my, my own personal development, everybody that I've studied, like I believe in studying successful people if you want to be successful, everybody I've studied is journaled, right? Mm-hmm. They've always like mentioned journaling in there. And so I probably started about 10 years ago and I do, I call it like futuristic journaling. So okay. I write as if it's already happened a lot of times. Yeah. So I'll write like, you know, I'm gonna, so before I had this place, I would write in my journal, you know, I'm, I'm super thankful and grateful for my personal training studio. And as I told you at the time, I had this vision of like a small, like Tony Horton style, like, you know, small personal training gym. I would literally write that verbatim word for word every day. Like I'm super thankful to have my, you know, and I would even, I remember, I think I even put like about 1,000 square foot personal training studio that I'm helping people. Like I would get crazy. I would literally ride as if it was already happening. And I mean, I looked back, we were, um, we were in Maui last year and I, I flipped, I took the same journal that I had taken um, two years before and I literally went back and reread it and it was crazy. Like it was almost verbatim. Like what I said I wanted is exactly what I have. That's incredible. Oh, it's freaky. That is so cool. Yeah. Are there any other habits that you do to help kind of keep your mind in that mindset or in that, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but anyway, like to try to keep that momentum going, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So I always tell people like if you, I'm probably the easiest guy to kill cause I'm like, I'm, I'm, where, <laughs> I'm probably, I'm where I'm going to be at the same time every day doing the same exact thing. So every morning I get up at three 45, I go through the same ritual. No way. Yeah. I go through the same ritual every morning. I write down three things I'm thankful and grateful for. Um, I do about, I'd say five to 10 minutes of some form of like meditative thing. And I don't necessarily, I'm not a great, like set in the corner, legs crossed, you know, palms open meditator. So I do a lot of like, I do a lot of like drawing that quiets my mind and helps my thought process. Um, I will set quietly. I do a lot of guided meditations, things like that, Mm -hmm. that really just keep me, my mindset. Like I'm really big on mindset and, and the way you think and the way you speak and the way you you know, believe is transforms into the way you act. Yeah. So yeah, I'm super big on that. What time do you go to bed? Um, usually between eight and nine. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you're waking up at three, yeah, three 45 every day, I don't think you can go past nine. Nine's kind of my, nine's kind of my tap out point. Yeah. Um, sometimes nine 30, you know what I mean? If I got a lot going on, but never, I don't think I've seen 10 o'clock in, in a while. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, let's see. So, I want to know a little bit more about your business and kind of how you got to now, how you went from just meeting people on tennis courts to your, your training facility. What is there like 
an ethos that you stand by? How, what's tell me a little about the culture that you've created here? Right. You know, I, I think about this all the time. Like, how did I get to this? Like, you know, I think I told you, like, whatever we're at, um, it's Saturday. And so on Saturdays, I do two classes in the morning, then I do a few private clients. But I've seen, like, over 60 people today. From 6 a.m. to 8 a.m., I saw over 60 people in wow. two classes, right? And sometimes I think about that, like, how do we get here? Right? Like, how did it get from, like, one client to now? How do you fit 30 people per class in 800 square feet? That's what I want to know, it's, too. It's the most organized chaos you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> I have people that say, I just want to bring a chair outside and watch it happen. But wow. it just works, man. It just, it's, it's, the, it's a beautiful orchestration of, of just people moving. And so it's, it's awesome. But I, I really believe this. You know, you and I kind of talked about this before we turned on the recording is all I really care about is, is helping people find, become their best self. And so that really translates into everything I do. Like, I don't, I don't advertise. I don't run Facebook ads. I don't advertise in the paper. I don't do flyers. I don't do anything. Like, all of my clients, and I probably have, I'd say probably around 200 clients total, um, are word of mouth and referral-based. And I heard about this dude doing whatever. It's the craziest thing, man. Like we talked about, like I'm in Palm Desert, California. It's supposed to be a you know resort town. You're not supposed to be able to run a business here. You're not supposed to be able oh, to be a successful. Personal training business. I right. mean, this is incredible. Yeah, you're not supposed to be. You know, it's we're not even in season yet, right? So when season gets here, like I mean, uh, my volume will go you know drastically up. What is in season? Um, season means from like the probably the end of October mm-hmm. all the way to May is kind of our busy time. So right now we're not even busy. So that's interesting because I think you know. From patterns in in the past for me, I hit October, November through February. It's like, oh crap, this is the worst. It's like that's a slow season for me. That's your busy season. Oh yeah, absolutely. Why is that? Is that something with just out here? Yeah, it's, so that's kind of what we call season here in the desert. Okay. Um, so for me, I'd say I'm probably like seventy thirty, like seventy percent local clientele, thirty percent seasonal, meaning they'll live somewhere else during the summer. Like they'll live in Oregon, Washington, Canada, you know, New York city. Um, you have clients from all over that that'll come here for those season months. Okay. And then they'll go back home to where they're from. They're usually six months and six months. Gotcha. They usually come here for six, go home for six. So it just works, man. And it's just a, it's a great, you know, it's a great orchestration of just, you know, beautiful people. Do you establish values here? Like, what, oh. take me through the process. What is, what is it like when a client first walks in your doors? So I, you know, I don't even really call myself a personal trainer anymore. I'm more of like a coach and or a mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, I, use per, I use fitness and nutrition. I would say this. So if somebody says, Jay, what do you do? Like, my answer is I use fitness and nutrition as a medium to help people become their best self. And so I've got a, a program, and, and they have named themselves, like I didn't even come up with the name, they call themselves the Thrive Tribe, because my, my Thrive Fitness Studio. So we've got t-shirts, the whole nine yards, and it's my, my clients are the one that came up with this. They like, came, they it came wasn't up, even your idea? No, no, like they started calling themselves the Thrive Tribe. Okay. And so I'm like, oh, you guys want to be the Thrive Tribe? We're the Thrive Tribe, you know, I'm, who, am I to, <laughs> who am I to knock it? That is awesome. So I do, you know, I have, I have a, I guess you'd call it like a coaching program, if you will. It's a nutrition-based program, nutrition and fitness-based program, where, you know, I give them the full you know, nutrition, you know, what to eat, how to eat, when to eat, recipes, the whole nine yards. That's a portion of it, but a big part of it is mindset accountability, support. And so every Wednesday night I do a live call with my clients if you're inside of my program. 
And really what we do is it's kind of like a Q&A. You can ask me anything you want, whatever. And then I also do some form of training. And the training's generally around something mindset related. It's generally around like becoming, you know, a better version of yourself related. We talk about, you know, I talk about a lot of buckets, right? I talk about like your nutrition and fitness bucket, your relationship bucket, your spirituality bucket, whatever that means to you, whether you're super religious or whether you, you know, you're, you want to be Buddha or whatever it is. Um, we talk about all those buckets and I'm a firm believer if those, all those aren't full, right? Then you're not going to you're not going to be your best version of yourself. So I teach them that nobody's, nobody's a hundred pounds overweight just because they like cookies, right? There's, there's a missing link in there somewhere. There's something deeper in there. There's for sure. something wrong, right? And when I say wrong, not wrong with them, but wrong with their system. Mm -hmm. And so all I'm trying to do is get them to be the best version of themselves. And then the weight takes care of itself. Like all the, you see my board back there, you'll see that we have, um, I call it the wall of words. So if you're one of my clients, you have to pick like your word of the year. And it's kind of your mantra, if you will, this word's gonna keep you centered. And on the back of every one of those cards, you have to write down three must that you're gonna complete within the year. So we call them must, you probably, most people call them goals, right? So I make them say must, because if it's a must, you gotta do it. Yeah. Like we've all had goals forever and very few of us achieve those goals. We just keep rolling them over. So I've got clients, man, that have lost 150 pounds, 80 pounds, 90 pounds. One of my clients just had successful like skin removal surgery because she had to have she had lost so much weight she wow. had to have the skin removed. Like it's not unusual for one of my clients to lose, um, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80 pounds. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not the best personal trainer in the world. I'm probably I'm I'm probably not even that great of a personal trainer. I've, you know, my nutrition principles are pretty basic, pretty simple. Like you're not going to get my program and be like, oh my God, he's so smart. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's basic stuff. But what I am is I'm an incredible motivator of people. Yeah. Like that's my, that's my true gift. You can connect. That's it. My, did you read my board? I haven't read the board. My word of the year is connection. Is it? Yeah. So yeah, yeah we'll check it out there just so I can validate for you. My yeah, word yeah. of the year is right in the middle. So my word of the year is connection. Because that's what I believe is the differentiator, right? Like so many trainers have clients that they don't know anything about. Like I know you're going to come today at 3.30 and I know we're going to do some legs and then you're going to go home and I'm going to see you again maybe on Monday or Tuesday if you show up and I don't know anything about you. I know everything about my client. Everything. And that's the difference. Like 200 people. You yeah. know everything about them. I would say more than the average, more than the average person knows about they're people because I'm invested in them. Yeah. Like I'm invested in their success. And the reason I have clients that have lost 120 pounds, like I said, is not because I'm a great personal trainer. It's not because I'm a nutrition wizard. It's because I have got them to see a better version of themselves. And now they believe that they deserve better. And when someone believes they actually deserve better out of life, they'll do better. And that's how they get the results. And that's why I've got clients that have been in my, in my we'll call it quote unquote weight loss program for over two years. You know, that's amazing. Jay, I want to I want to ask you, your ability to connect with these people is just amazing. Um, what do you attribute that to? Was it something that was instilled in you at a young age? Did your parents teach you how to relate to people, how to become a, a people person? I think what it was. is So my father got killed when I and I've thought about this a lot. This isn't the first time this has come up. So that's why it's that's when so easy for me to answer this. And I've done a lot of journaling on it. Um, my father got killed um, in a car wreck by a drunk driver when I was five. Oh my gosh, I'm and sorry to hear that. Yeah, you know what? Everybody always says that, and I, I don't feel that way. Like I feel like that had to happen for me to be where I am today. Like, and I've just it's 
it sounds crazy to say, but it was almost without that event, you know, adversity, if you will. I talk a lot about adversity to my clients because that's what usually derails people in life yeah. is some kind of adversity. And at five, it derailed me. And so when I was a young kid, I remember like, I didn't know how to handle anything. Like I was emotional. Like I was like, you know, I was afraid everybody was going to leave me because, you know, when you're five and your dad does, come, leaves home one day, he never comes back, you have this like abandonment issue. Mm -hmm. So I remember even as a young teenager, like that's probably why I dove into sports and weightlifting so much. It was a way for me to remove myself from the quote unquote pain that I thought I was supposed to feel because a tragedy had happened to me. So I always, so I always tell people now like, really bad stuff happens to really good people. Yeah. And so I didn't realize that. I always thought that there was a reason this happened to me. You know what I mean? Like my dad was supposed to be killed because I'm not a good kid. Or You know, you come up with a kid, you come up with all kind of crazy junk. Yeah. So I think why I am who I am today is because of the growth that I've had to, to go through to get here. Like I had to realize that that's not my, that's not my story, right? And so it doesn't have to be, like my life doesn't have to be tragic. Right? Something tragic happened to me when I was a kid, but if I can take that tragedy and turn it into a, a blessing or a gift, which I, I truly believe it is, um, then I'm able to help other people overcome their stories. And that's really what happens is most of the people I deal with in weight loss and just getting, becoming their best self is they're living in that old story of someone told them they weren't good enough, someone told them they were fat, someone told them they were dumb, they were in an abusive relationship where someone you know, just was just awful to them. And now that's the person they believe they are. And so half of what I do is I get people to understand that that's not who you are. That's just something that happened to you. And so we begin to write their new version of who they are. And that's really what changes the game for people is when I start, get them to believe. So I always tell them this, like at first, you're going to have to understand that I believe in you more than you believe in yourself. And so once I get them to, to understand that, then I can slowly start to peel back those layers of that old story and then they start to get the version of like, I can be better, right? Like I do deserve better. Like I do deserve to be happy. I do deserve all of these things. Yeah. That's really it, man. And I think so. I think what happened to me as a young kid over the lineage of, you know, and I'm 42 now, I'll be 43 in October. Um, I think that's where I, I think that's what got me to where I am today of being able to connect with people because nobody connected with me when I was a kid. I felt very lost and very isolated and very alone. And I believe that's probably why I really, I'd say 90% of my clients are female, mm -hmm. is because I watched my mom suffer from that tragedy. You know what I mean? Yeah. What was that like for you guys? What was it like hearing the news that your, your dad's not coming home? It, crazy. You know what I mean? I, I remember like it was yesterday. So we lived out on a farm. We had cows. We had pigs. We had, a, I mean, cornfields, you name it. So my mom, me, my brother, and my dad, I remember I had my red wagon up on top of this little hill, and I used to, I was a weird kid. I used to play with, I would fill this red, wag, red wagon with rocks, and I would take the rocks somewhere else, un <laughs> unload, hold on, man. I would unload the rocks, I'd go get more rocks, I'd load them up, I'm like, what are you doing, bro? Like, thinking back on it, I'm like, what was wrong You're with you? You're doing sled pulls, man. Yeah. You were ready for working out, like, As a five-year-old five. kid, so I remember I was up on top of the hill with my wagon and my rocks, and we lived out in the country, and so in this small, like, you know, rural communities, you know everybody. Mm -hmm. So I watched the highway patrol pull into my driveway, but he always pulled into my driveway. His name was Kenneth Preston. I thought Kenneth was just coming over to say hi to mom, or you know, so he'd come over and have dinner with our family sometimes. So I watched Kenneth get out of the car, and I cruised down the hill because I, I loved, you know, when you're a kid and a cop pulls up, like, you know, it's like, oh, he's, he's cool. He's yeah. the coolest dude ever. So I remember running down the hill and going in the house, and my mom was crying. 
and then I, I almost don't have any recollection after that. Like yeah. that's kind of like where my my shutoff point was. But yeah, it just I remember the struggle. Like I remember like seeing my mom really sad, seeing my brother really sad, and at five. You're sad, but you're not really sure why you're sad. You know what I mean? You know your dad's not there, but you're not sure why he's not there. Is he coming back? Like, you don't really get it. You know what I mean? At, at five. Um, and I just remember watching that, and I remember going to bed at night thinking, like, well, now my mom's going to die. You know what I mean? Like, as a kid, you can create anything in your mind that, mm-hmm. that's, you know, you think there's ghosts under the bed or you're monsters. So I remember every night I would never sleep. I would always, like, go and I would stand in my mom's room and just make sure she was alive. And, like, it was just crazy habits of, like, you know, making sure I wasn't going to lose anything. And so I held on to life so tightly that I didn't enjoy life. You know what I mean? Like even as a kid, I remember like being like angry and not able to process emotions and like, you know, it, just, it was just a weird, weird thing. And I think that sports and, and lifting weights probably saved me. It probably, cause it's the only time I ever felt comfortable. Yeah. Like when I could put the helmet on or when I could go in the gym, you know, that was really the only time that I ever felt like peace. And then when I got older, I'm like, dude, this is no way to live, man. Like you're living every day waiting for the next shoe to drop. Like something bad is going to happen to me, right? Because it always has. You know what I mean? You create these stories. So I remember probably um, it was meeting um, my Lori, and she she got me to see that there's a better way. And I just started improving myself. I started journaling. I started you know meditating. I started reading. I started studying successful people. And I realized, like what I said earlier, really bad shit happens to really good people. Like everybody that I studied had had some kind of tragedy. They'd went through some kind of tragedy and they were now they were successful. So it was almost like once I started looking at other people that had gone through, some of them was worse than me. I'm like, listen, I was five. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to, I don't need to carry this with me anymore. I realized that I didn't have to take that around with me. And through this like self-growth and self-work and journaling and doing the work, now I use it as a, as a, as a tool. Like I look at it as a, as a gift. And then with your, how was your relationship with your mom from that point on? And is that where you learned to connect with people, to empathize with them? So I, I always remembered, um, you know, when you're, when you lose your dad, you, so your mom is like, you're the only, you know, I was the youngest, my brother's six years older than me. So yeah, I mean, I was just, you know, terrified that I was going to lose my mother. Believe it or not, what that created was probably like a, like a not the greatest relationship because when you have that sense of loss, you don't have, you don't have the ability to connect because if I connect deeply with my mom and I lose her, how painful is that going to be? Awful. Super awful. Right. And so even as a kid, I was smart enough to realize, okay, I love my mom and I never want her to go anywhere, but I can't connect deeply with her because if I do, she'll go and she'll she'll leave me, not leave, but that was my word. Right. When I was a kid, they'll leave me. Um, and so, no, I mean, I had very few connected relationships when I, even with friends, I remember back, like probably wasn't even able to connect very deeply, even with my brother, not able to connect very deeply. And still like, this is super vulnerable, but like, I'm, I'm a transparent book. Like I still don't have a, a, an awesome relationship with my mom or my brother because of probably all that. Like they're, they, I feel like they're still a little bit stuck. Mm-hmm. in the tragedy yeah. and I'm not anymore. And, and, and through that separation of me moving on and using it as power now and not as a tragedy, there's a big gap in the middle. You know what I mean? And so unfortunately that's, you know, cre- still creates a little bit of a wedge today. It wasn't, was it until later that you learned to kind of 
view this as a blessing? Like, how long did it take for you to finally go like, okay, like, oh gosh, so I'll be, I'll be, like I said, I'll be 43 next month. Um, probably in my late twenties. Okay. I started thinking like, this is not it, man. This has got to be a better way. Right. And so I just started reading. Like I started like, just like I said, researching like successful people, like what, and then I would read their stories and I'd be like, oh my God, like they went through this crazy thing in their life. Like they lost a parent, like they lost a spouse, they lost a kid. They, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, so I started to associate like, okay, but my perception of this person is that they're super successful. They're super happy. They're super. And so I'm like, okay, listen, like, so it doesn't have to be this way. Like, I don't have to be, this doesn't have to haunt me for the rest of my life, if you will. Like, I still deserve to be happy and I can, I can love other people and not worry about them leaving me and not worry about them not, you know, wanting, not going to be around forever. So yeah, I think it was just through, and this sounds, sounds hokey and weird, but it was probably through like, like self-help, if you will. Like, yeah. just like, you know, I don't even know, and that term's kind of probably like weird now these days, but when I started doing it, it was like, you know, it was really the only way. Like, you know, I didn't, I never went to therapy or any, anything of that nature. I really just, I read a lot of books um, about mindset, about belief systems about about like you know these like karmic contracts that we that we have with ourselves and like this you know all these just different things and ways of getting over them you know what i mean what were some of the first books that you read that made a big impact on you i was just you know i knew you were going to ask me that i remember <laughs> this is crazy so one of the first books that i read and this isn't a self-help book or anything it's a book um that rudy giuliani wrote called leadership the mm-hmm. former mayor of New York City. And I remember reading that book and I was able to associate like, cause he, he, de- he describes everything in the book, like about all of the, the chaos, if you will, that he dealt with when he became the mayor and all that jazz. And so I was able to almost like associate that chaos with the chaos that I had felt internally, that I'd experienced. And it was his style of leadership and how he led himself, if you will, through that chaos and came out on the other side, you know, turned, you know, New York City around the whole nine yards, that kind of gave me the the first push to say, like, I need to lead myself first, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I can't lead anybody. I can't ever be what I want to be. Like, I've always wanted to be really successful. Like, I always thought, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be the head of some company someday or I'll manage, you know what I mean? Whatever it is. And then I realized that you can't lead yourself. You can't lead anybody else. And so I, that's what really got me like lasered in on like focused on like bettering myself, like bettering who Jay Nixon was as a human being. And gosh, I can't even think of the, the, the rest of the books I've read. There's so many that I've, that I've, I've dove into that have, that have made a huge impact. And I'm, I'm really bizarre. The way I read is I'll read a little bit. And then I journal about what I read. Really? So I read, then I journal, and I read, then I journal. So sometimes it can take me forever to, to actually physically read a book. So my new strategy is now I listen to audio books. Because okay. then I can easily hit pause, journal quickly, go yeah. again, journal quickly, go again. I don't have to go back. Because what I was doing is I was having to go back and reread yeah. like 10 pages. And I'm like, <laughs> you're never going to get through these books, bro. So yeah, so that's kind of my strategy now. And I still do that to this day. Like I still read... Um, yeah, I still read a lot. I listen to audiobooks a lot. I listen to podcasts a lot. You know, now we're in the, the age of information where 
if you want to find something on like better in your mindset, like it's a, a click oh, away. Oh, there's an abundance of information out there now. It's a click it's away. incredible. And I still do it to this day. Like every day, I, I call it some form of study. So I listen to a podcast, I watch a YouTube video, I listen to an audio book. I do some form of study every day as part of my ritual. Are there any mentors that helped you along this process? Absolutely. So it, as crazy as it sounds, I got into like listening to like Jim Rohn, like Tony Robbins, like all of those guys were kind of the first, um, I'd call them like motivational speakers, if you will. And so Les Brown, like I've studied those guys like tremendously um, over the course of the last 10 years philosophies and they're all kind of the same everybody in that industry like everybody kind of learns from everybody it's always yeah. it's the same message it's just a different delivery system and so i will listen if somebody has a message like to, i'll listen to it like i'm not i'm not married like some people are like okay this is my guy right like but I, for me it's like i'll listen to anybody who's got something inspirational to say even if it's the same thing 10 other people are saying like the one guy might just hit a note that resonates with me more than, so I'm always looking for like motivation. I'm always looking for new mindset shifts. I'm always looking for that. And then I look back on people that I, even before I even knew what mentoring was, right? I look back on like prior bosses that I had. And I was even telling this story the other night on one of my calls. I remember this guy that I used, used to um, consult with. We were, worked with the NFL alumni. So we would go around and, and talk to all their different chapters about anti-inflammation and things of that nature. But the guy who owned the company um, at the time, I would have considered him to be like a mentor. Yeah. Looking back on it, he was probably everything I didn't want to be as a business owner. <laughs> really? So there's always value, right? There's, I think there's value in everything. So it'd be really easy. Looking like he treated me horribly, like it was, just, it was a dysfunctional relationship. Like I was terrified of him. This is when I was a lot younger. I was terrified of him, everything. But I looked up to him, and I don't know why. But what it was is I was supposed to learn a lesson from it. And I was supposed to learn if you ever get in a position where anyone looks up to you, it's your job and your duty to make sure they never felt like you felt when, from this guy. And so I think that comes right back to the connection piece. And I, when the reason I felt that was he was never willing to connect with me. He always kept me at arm's length. Yeah. And I always wanted to be connected and that's why I kept going back and kept tolerating the abuse over it. It was like having an abusive relationship. Yeah. And a lot of us are in these with bosses and things of that nature and people we don't even realize it until after the fact. So now looking back on it, I realize it was just a way for me to learn how I never wanted to treat other people. You know, so there's value in everything. So that's why I always tell people, take your perceived tragedy, your perceived adversity, and find a way to make it into something that's positive. You know what I mean? So how do you use some of these skills to connect with the members here at Thrive? Um, I mean, I'd imagine, I mean, how do you know so much about each individual? I, it, it's, I take a lot of time, man. I really do. I like, I really, and, and I think it's because this is I honestly care. Like I honestly care at the end of the day about each individual's success. And I will get as close to a client as, as they will allow me to get. You know, without without violating, you know, their own person, their personal belief system or whatever. But I try to learn as much about them and their belief system so that I can help them unravel like an old belief system that's holding them back. Right. And so if I want to help a client lose 100 pounds, I could give them the best nutrition in the world. I could give them the best fitness program in the world. But if I don't change the way they think, like the way they 
the vocabulary they use, like their belief systems, their everything, like they're not going to change at the end of the day. No. And so my, my, my system is really this. I, I teach and coach and mentor from a 80% psychology standpoint and a 20% mechanical. So in the, we'll call it the weight loss world, or even in the fitness world, if you will, I would say most programs, most trainers, most nutritionists, most coaches, whatever you want to be, are mainly mechanical. Like they'll teach you how to do a beautiful air squat or a beautiful kettlebell swing, yeah. but they're not, they're not nearly enough psychological. And so what happens, I always use this as an example. Like if somebody's done Weight Watchers for like the 27th time, it's not working. Nope. And so that's because Weight Watchers is strictly mechanical. Eat this, don't eat that, count the points, do this, do this, do this. And when any time adversity pops up in someone's life, they always fall back to their, lo their, their, their current level of understanding, of mindset, of psychology. So if the person doesn't change who they are through the process, when adversity pops up, and it always does, it's called life, you're always going to fall back to your, your level of training, your level of where you, where you started from unless you grow through the process. So what I try to do is I try to get people to grow through the process so that when adversity pops up, their fallback is very minimal. They don't fall back to who they used to be. They fall back just a little bit. Yeah. We call that a roadblock. And then we just keep going. And I think that's why my clients have so much success is that when adversity does pop up, they don't go back to eating the donuts and eating the other things because I they've created a new system and a new belief system in their life where they know that's not going to get them where they want to go. Is that through a one-on-one -on -one coaching meeting or is that, um, I mean, because most people, they just want to, you know, they find a, a gym, they, you know, off the street or off of online somewhere, they walk in, I want to get a good workout and, you know, do you just sign them up? Do you meet with them? How does it work? Yeah. So um, it's, it's everything, right? So everybody, nobody's, nobody walks in the door and just like, tells me their problems, right? Yeah. But l listen, like I know if someone walks through my door and they need to lose 70 pounds, there's a problem. Whether they want to tell me what it is or not, like I know something's wrong. Like I know there's a system that needs to be fixed. And so it's through everything. I do, it's through one-on-one -on -one coaching. It's okay. through my group coaching program. It's through just the connection. Like it's through me asking questions. Like I ask my clients a ton of questions because I want to understand and I want to know more about them. Um, and now it's just become, you know, once you join my, my, my coaching program, it's just part of the process, right? Like I do a ton of, of training around the psychology of, of why we do what we do. And that gives people the, the opportunity to then tell me their story, mm -hmm. to tell me what they need help with, or quite simply just to work on themselves. Cause I, now I'm giving them the tools that no one else has ever given them before. So I, I agree with what you're saying. Like in a lot of gyms, like the client may want to come in, like get some bicep curls in, get a good sweat, go on about their life. That doesn't seem to be the client that I attract. I've got okay. some of those. Yeah. Like I've got some of those clients that just work out in and out, but I still know a ton about their life. Like I still know a ton about who they are, what they want, you know, their dreams, their goals. It's, I think it's because it's who I am. Yeah. It's about my, it's about my desire to connect. And if you, if you have that reciprocal desire to connect, you're going to resonate with me. And we're going to have a beautiful connection and I'm going to be able to help you really deeply. If you don't, then you're probably not going to work out with me. You're, at, you're probably going to find another gym. Mm -hmm. you know, and that's cool. How do you do that in a group atmosphere, though? It sounds crazy, man. I don't, I don't know. It's a, I don't know if it's a gift. <laughs> I, don't know if it's, I, don't know. I, I, I hesitate to use the word gift, but it's just... 
it kind of takes care of itself, believe it or not. Like, I wish I had the golden answer for that. I wish I had the system that, that says, how do I do that in a group atmosphere? But I don't know. Like, we do, I do a live call every Wednesday night, and people can submit questions, like, anonymously, if they will. Is it to all of your clients or all, just a select? Just the ones that are in my program. So in the if Thrive Tribe? Yeah, if you're in the Thrive Tribe, it's called the, the Thrive Forever Fit program. Mm-hmm. So if you're in Thrive Forever Fit, then you get access to our private Facebook page, the, the training calls every Wednesday night. Um, you know, we have a private Facebook group. I do Facebook Lives. Like, I'm a, I'm a, by nature, I'm just a teacher, man. Like, I would have been a, I would have been a coach, like a football coach or a high school teacher, but I, I just realized early on that there was no, don't get mad at me, coaches and teachers, there was no money in it, right? <laughs> there, was no, there was no cash. And I'm not just money-driven, but I, I do, you know, you want to be rewarded for your efforts, and I'm yeah. like, and I realized, too, that I'm probably a little too aggressive to be teaching kids. Um, sometimes my language isn't the most appropriate. So that'll, <laughs> that'll, get you fired. that'll get you fired from a high school job pretty quick. Yeah. So I think it's just my desire to coach, man. I have, a, I have a burning desire to mentor, a burning desire to coach, a burning desire just to help people. So I get these like crazy thoughts, and I'm like, I got to tell somebody. And so I do, I do a ton of Facebook Lives with my people, um, and it's just I'm constantly trying to, my thought process is this throughout the daily, throughout a daily basis. I even I talked to one of my clients today before we came over. She were, she was um, private messaging me on Facebook, and I said, "All I really care about, all I think about, is how can I make it better? How can I make this place better? How can I make their experience better? How can I give them more value?" So I, I have a belief system that nobody makes a decision based on price. You may think you do, but if you start making decisions based on value then you'll make great you'll make great decisions in your life. If you make price-based decisions, you'll never, you know, you'll you'll end up always you'll kind of meander through life. So for me, every decision I make is on value. What value am I going to get from this? If I'm picking a coach, I don't care what it costs as long as the value is there. So that's how I want people to view me. Like I want to work with Jay because it's extreme value because that's all I care about. And that's really what I think about on a daily basis is what can I do to make their experience better, to give them extreme value where when they leave my presence, whether it's a workout, a phone call, a conversation, whatever it is, that they leave a little bit better than they were before we had that conversation. That's really all I think about, man. And now you're adding even more value with this book that you have coming out. Yeah. So my book came out in May called The Overweight Mind, and it's really what it is. It's my philosophy. It's called The Overweight Mind because I don't believe that people are overweight because you were destined to be overweight. I believe it's the cycle. It's the psychology around your belief system is most of the time why most people are overweight. And so in the book, I talk about this. I talk about how you can retrain your brain to have different rituals and habits. I even talk about like your circle of success. I'm a big believer in who you hang around has a big influence on who you will become. I always say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Right, think about That's that. That's great. So, and so a lot, of, a lot of my clients are hanging around people, they were, that were abusive, didn't believe in them, like, you know what I mean? Non-supportive, judgmental, gossipy. Like, we kill it all, man. Like, I am a, I'm a, I'm a savage when it comes to coaching. Like, I just want to <laughs> coach and teach and mentor. Like, you walked in my studio. I've never met you before in a day in my life. And I felt like I've known you forever. Like, oh, yeah. I'm like, we're going to rap. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to tell you who I am. And this is me. Like, you, the energy that I have right now and how you met me an hour ago is me on a daily basis. Like, that's how I show up. I want to connect with you like deeply. Like I want to know about you. I ask about your wife. 
Like, I want to know about you. Like, I really care. So that, that probably answers your question. Like, how I treated you when you walked in here is how I treat everybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just, if you're going to be in my life, like, I'm not okay with superficial relationships. Oh, me too. I'm not okay. With, and I don't have a lot of, I'm, I'm using air quotes, I don't have a lot of friends because I don't believe in superficial relationships. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to call you and say, hey, how was your day? Can we just, how's the weather over there? Like, I don't want to have that conversation with you, right? Like, you want to go deep. I just want to be real. Like, yeah. I want to, like, have a real, genuine, authentic, like, relationship. Like, I call, like, the guy who connected us, Bryce. Like, I'll call Bryce's brother. Never met him once in my life. But he, we talk on the phone. We text. I have a deep connection with him because it's the only way I operate. And if that, that freaks some people out and they're like, I don't, want to be, I don't want to be deeply connected with you. And that's cool. Yeah. Right? But I have to do it. And this is how I approach everyone. It's how I approach my clients. It's how I approach somebody I meet on the street. It just is. It's why I wrote the book. It's because I know I have a mission to help a million people become their best self. Wow. And I know the only way I'm going to be able to do that is through just touching as many people as humanly possible. So my goal is that you leave here and you go say, I met this dude today. And you speak highly of me. Like that's all I care about is that you leave here feeling better about our relationship than you did before you came in. Well, there's no question about that. Yeah. And that's how I really want everybody to feel, man. I really do. And so it's, it's crazy. Like I, I have these visions, like I'm going to, you know, I just hired a new, um, a media PR coach. Like, and I, I tell all my clients, I'm big on like futuristic, like outcomes. Like I know where I'm going to be. Like I'm going to be on Ellen, good morning, America, Dr. Oz spreading my message. I'm going to get there. You know what I mean? And it's, I'm going to get there through connection. It's the only way. I'm going to connect with as many people as humanly possible so that I can help 1 million people live a better life. And it's not about me. Like, I don't even, I said this the other day. I'm what I, I'm, I heard this on a podcast. It might've been on impact theory. Um, this lady was talking and she said, there's a term called like an ambivert. So it's someone who's like, a, it's a mix between being an introvert and an extrovert. Yeah. I've heard of that one. Yeah. So I'm probably an ambivert. Like you know, I can, I, I can talk to a million people. Like, I can get on stage in front of 10,000 people right now and be pumped up. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm also, like, I don't love the, I don't love the fame's the wrong word. Mm -hmm. I don't love the notoriety yeah. that comes with it. I don't love the, that aspect of it. Like, you know, if I could just be me but help a million people, I'd, I'd do that, right? But you can't. You can't be unknown and be the best thing in town. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I had, that's, some, that's probably my biggest struggle is that, you know, I don't really love the, the accolades or the, the, the quote-unquote fame of the book or anything of that nature. Not that it's anything to be famous about, but, like, when somebody reads it, they're like, oh, my God, you wrote this book? Like, will you sign this? For, like, signing a copy of your own book is the weirdest shit you'll ever have to do. Oh, really? It just feels weird. It's like, I know you. Like, you don't need this. You don't need me to <laughs> sign your book. I've known you for 10 years. I don't need to sign your book. It feels weird, right? I get it, but it yeah. just doesn't, it's not natural for me. So I'm not a glory hound or a fame person. My, my mission to stand on stage in front of 10,000 people is just to give them a message that there's a better way. Period. That's it. All I care about. That's awesome, man. That's incredible. Um, I want to ask you a couple more questions yeah. just to wrap up. And I think this is going to be an interesting one. What would you want your obituary to say? What do you think it's going to say? Quite simply, my, my desire and my belief is that it will say, this, this dude just 
genuinely cared. Like he really wanted to help people. That's it. Like that is honestly at the end of the day, and I think that's why I've had um, the minimal success that I've had is because I honestly give a shit. Like I care about my clients at the end of the day. Like I care about their results. I care about their happiness. I care about them being the best version of themselves. Like I talk about it incessantly to them. Like I, you know, I drive them borderline crazy, some of them, until they start to see like, listen, there is a better way. Like I do need to feel better about myself. I, I should love myself, right? So I just want my impact, my legacy, I hope is that I made people feel like there was a better way, like there was a better way for them to live. If you could have a conversation with five-year-old Jay, let's say 20 or 30-year-old Jay, and then let's say like 10 years from now, okay. 50-year-old, what would you say to the five-year-old? Yeah, the five-year-old, I would just tell him it's okay, man. Like this isn't like this is okay. Like you didn't do anything. Like you don't have to be angry. You don't have to be confused. You don't have to be any of that stuff. Like it's okay. Like I, I would tell him, like bad stuff happens to really good people, and this event doesn't have to define you. And I think that's what a lot of people do is like an, an event will happen in their life, and that's how they'll introduce themselves. Like I'm Jay. My father died when I was five. Or I'm so and so and I got this disease or whatever. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I just want people to believe like that doesn't have to define you. Like you get you get to write your own story and, and be the definition of whatever it is. And that's what I tell the little dude, man. It's just let's go. Like it doesn't have to be this way. And then twenty year old Jay. Twenty to thirty. Twenty thirty year old Jay. I was saying this the other day, man. I wish that I had had the concept, I'm thinking of like 20 year old Jay, I wish I had the concept of mentoring and coaching back then, of like who you hang around. Like I wish that I could go back and not spend Saturday nights and Saturday nights in a bar, hanging out with the bros, you know, doing stupid stuff that you do when you're 20. I wish I had that time back to, and listen, I think we should all have fun when you're young and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I wish I had that time back to know like, that success does leave footprints and who you hang around matters and that being the best version of yourself is gonna ultimately make you happier than any party, than any whatever it is. And I just wish I, I, wish I had that mindset back then of like abundance, of like growth, about I can be, do, and have anything that I want because that's something I have now. Like I firmly believe that we as human beings, if, we, if we're willing to do the work, we can be, do, and have anything you want. That's why I have no reservation. And some people are going to listen to this and be like, dude, you are not going on the Today Show. Ellen's not having you on the pink couch. I'm not sure if it's pink or not. Um, <laughs> it's not going to happen. And I'm cool with that. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm, okay with, I'm okay with other people doubting me. I'm okay with all of that. Like, it doesn't bother me. Like, because I know that if I put in the work, if I do what I need to do, it's going to happen. Yeah. It happens all the time for me. And that's my vision. I want to, that's my mission. I want to tell people, I want to show people that it can happen for you too. And what I would say to like 10 to 10 years from now, Jay, is gosh, what I'll be like 53. I feel like I'm 20 now. So I can only imagine I'll probably feel like I'm 22 then. I just, I'm just going to keep going, man. Like I have no visions of, of stopping. Like I just, at that's at when I, 10 years from now, my, my desire is that I am in a position, like I said earlier, to have helped a million people understand there's a better way and to 
mentor people like who I am today. People who like, you know, I told you like I'm mentoring uh, Marissa right now to help people like Marissa who want to use this industry as their life to show them how you can do it and how you can help change other people's lives, right? So I just want to keep helping people, man. Like that's my that's my honest that's my honest goal. I hope in ten years that you and I are having this conversation again, and like we have legitimately together helped millions and millions of people realize that, you know, life is meant to be lived and not just like gotten through. And I think so many of us are just getting through it that it 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 honestly breaks my heart. It makes me it makes me sad, and it keeps that's what the only thing that keeps me up at night is like. I was telling Lori this the other day, like, it's not babe, I don't feel like I'm doing enough. I feel like I got to do more. And I'm a dude who gets up at 3.45 in the morning. I see between 60 and 80 clients a day. I'm already working on my second book. I'm mentoring Marissa. Um, you know, you came in, what was I doing? I was vacuuming. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't rest, man, but I don't feel like I'm doing enough. Like, I feel like I got to do more. And I don't know if that's because, I don't know what it is, but I feel like I have to do more. I love it, man. Your your life story and your passion for what you do definitely shines through you, man. And I think uh, you have a high adversity quotient, and that translates over to how well you connect with everybody here at at Thrive. Um, gee, man, I don't know. It's it's been such an honor and such a pleasure sitting with you today, man. Um, I think I wanted to touch on one thing was that I know Bobby Capuccio said this on my last podcast that. Um, some people are arriving, but they're never thriving. You are definitely helping people thrive in this gym. I appreciate that, yeah. dude. Thank you for what you do, man. Absolutely. And th- you know what this was for me? This is, this is a conversation that I would have had with you at a coffee shop. Oh, totally. You know what I mean? Like, this wasn't weird. Like, this is just two dudes, like, being pat. I would have loved to ask you more questions. Like, now I'm thinking, <laughs> he's asking me all the questions. Like, I was, I was about to flip the script on you. <laughs> dude, go ahead. You know, flip the script. I want to, nobody's done this before. Flip the script on me. Ask me whatever. Beautiful, beautiful. So, you know, we talked about this a little bit before we started. But, like, after, like, you know, the same, kind of the same theories that you asked me. Like, I always, I asked Marissa this when she, when she started. Marissa, guys, is, is my, I call her my protege. She's 22 years old. She asked me about six months ago if I'd mentor her, didn't have her personal training certification. And I said, absolutely, I will. Because I thought it took guts to ask a, you know, someone 20 years older than you, will you, will you help me? Yeah. Like, most people won't even ask for help. And you know why I continue to mentor every day? It's this kid shows up like a beast. She's unbelievable. Does everything. I don't have to ask her to do stuff. She does it. Got her personal training certification. Got her insurances, everything. I love her because she does the work. So for you, and I, and I ask her this one, I ask her this question, that's why I want to know from you, like, what's your, what's your why in the fitness industry? Like, why are you doing this? Oh, man. So this is something that my mentor and I are, are currently working on. If you uh, want to save it, save it. I don't no, want to ruin no, no, anything. No, 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 no. We're, we're, we're working on it right now, and it's, it, it makes me think, right? Um, and I, I thought about it the other day, and it kind of changed. Originally, it's, it was somewhere along the lines of, I, I truly feel that I've been called to serve, right? I've been called to serve others, and the avenue in which I serve people is through fitness. Um, but then there's also an education component that goes into that, because there are a couple um, teachers that I had growing up that made such a significant impact on me. And I remember it was in fifth grade, and it was in 10th grade. Their name was uh, Mrs. Pearsall, and then there was Mr. Hernandez. And there was just something so different about them and the way that they approached the student and educated them and empowered them that 
it just it brought forth the best in me and I always wanted to just I wanted to work as hard as I could to be the best version of myself and I think I want to serve people and bring out that potential in other people and I think that's really why I wake up in the morning and do what I do is I want to serve them to get them to that potential to empower them with that with that feeling of being the very best version of themselves love that you know what when you're i wanted to say this before i believe your why is always evolving right yeah, like i believe totally. it you know your why and my because i always get my clients just to tell me what their why is and they're like oh my gosh i don't know can i only have one and i'm like no no you can't and, have it can, and your why should grow with you as you grow your why better grow yeah. right because you, you want to keep moving the ball forward so i think that's beautiful and that's as you you know you're probably going to decide tonight, like, your why is even bigger than you just answered. Yeah, that's what yeah. I do. Somebody always asks me, and I'm like, why did I say that? And I'm like, just because <laughs> you didn't say it doesn't mean it can't be true, bro. Like, you're okay. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's super cool, man. So we talked about this a little bit, too. Like, where do you – the industry, if you will, like the fitness industry, nutrition industry, we'll couple it all together. Um, where do you, where would you love to see the transformation? Because I get, I get a little bit disenfranchised with the noise mm -hmm. of, of, you know – Everybody's a guru. Everybody's an expert. Everybody's got the system. You know, everybody's got, you know, the, the, everybody's mag a life coach the magic, too. the it's magic crazy. bullet, like everybody's got the magic bullet, right? So where would you like to see, like, what would your, what would your beauty, what would your perfect picture of the industry be? Like, how would we change the industry where we actually were helping more people? I want to see the standard of the industry rise up to where it needs to be to where um, one of my earlier mentors, Jeff Kryle, is trying to get it to with his, uh, his system that he has over at Moorpark College where he is teaching trainers how to be exceptional. And right now, I mean, you, you touched on it a little earlier, is that you'll go to 24-hour fitness or you go to a big box gym. I mean, not to blast like anything like that, any 24-hour fitness, but it, you go to a big box gym and you see the trainers there and, you know, you mentioned earlier that you saw some guy with just a cutout, you know, part of a magazine and just reading his client off like, oh, this is what you're doing today. Right. And that's absurd to me. Yeah. You know, you should be able you should be able to to know your client on such a deep level that, you know, OK, maybe maybe you want to go and take them through that. But know the progressions and regressions to what they're capable of doing and. And to to show other people. Right. So I've got a lot of clients. Uh, even to this day, who, who they they tell me, you know, do you want a real job? And I'm like, what do you mean, do I want a real job? Mm -hmm. I mean, my my business is filed as a, a as a small corporation. Yep. I've got insurance. I've got you know a business checking. I've got everything that would constitute this as a business. How right. is this not a business? How do I need a real job? I love what I do. That's how we're perceived though. Yeah, it yeah. is. You know, yeah. and I always say this, I, I used to say that I was a, a step above a stripper, but I want to see us rise up to, to be looked at as, um, preventative medicine yep. as, you know, a necessity because I don't think this is a luxury. I think yeah. everybody could benefit from a coach yeah. and to call this a luxury you know, for some it may be, right. but I think that I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for fitness. And I think that, you know, it is the one of the biggest components in someone's success. And it should be looked at as like, this is something that not, I mean, I wish I had somebody to train me, to be quite honest. Yeah. I wish I had somebody with, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but like with the knowledge that I have to right. train me the way that I want to be trained right. so that I can be even better. Right. 
and so I don't have to think about it. I mean, that it, that's the cool thing about personal training is that, you know, you can get a client who is so busy. I mean, the last thing they're going to want to focus on is writing up their own workout routine. Right. If I can take that out of the equation, I'm going to be even better. Right. I'm going to feel better, and I'm going to perform better than I did without that coach. So that's where I think I'd want to see the industry go in the, in the future, and that's kind of the thing with this podcast, too. Mm-hmm. It's I want to, you know empower other trainers to know I want to try to I'm trying to you know figure out what principles there are in the fitness industry in the personal training industry who are the ones that are doing it well what are the routines that they're doing and show people like this is it right this is the blueprint well you know what you just said I mean every you 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 said it very eloquently but all you really just said is it comes back to the word connection you talked about like Understanding your client, mm-hmm. knowing what they need, regressions, progressions, and everything. It's simply connecting with your client, right? Yeah. That's all it is. And that's what you don't see a lot of is, yeah, yeah. is a client connection with the trainer. And listen, you don't have to be your client's best friend. Like, you don't have to take – my clients and I don't go to dinner. Like, you know, we're not hanging out on the weekends. Yeah. But you can connect deeply in the time that you have if you're willing to do it, Right. And so I think, you know, you, you start talking about, and listen, when we say 24-hour fitness, I think we use that term because they're like the standard. Yeah. They're like the gold standard. So it's actually a compliment. It is. Right? Yeah. Because they're like, if you, if you, it's like saying Coca-Cola. Exactly. Right? Okay. They're the gold standard, so let's don't, nobody get mad about that because that's not what we're saying. But at the big box gym that I, it's over kind of by my studio that I go to to kind of just like decompress, I watch the trainers put every client, every client, I don't care if it's a man, a woman, I don't care their size. I don't care their fitness level, anything. They put them on the ad and abductor machine for 15 minutes. <laughs> and or they, they have them walking on the treadmill yeah, for 10 minutes beforehand. I'm it's like, like, if somebody doesn't throw those two machines out of this gym, I'm going to lose my mind. I literally want it to go in and, and remove them because I feel like they're doing the client such a disservice. Like a 70-year-old lady who is 70 pounds overweight does not need to be doing ad and abductors no. for 20 minutes during her workout. She just doesn't. You know what I mean? And that's, but that's the standard. So you talk about the standard of getting up to where we need to be. That's, just, that's not connecting with your client. No. That's just phoning it in and saying, listen, i got to be with you for an hour. I'm going to waste 20 minutes here. I'm going to waste 15 there. And I'm going to get you out of here. Yeah. And that's the difference, man. I think that's what you're doing in, in your studio. And what I try to do here is that I just want to connect so deeply with somebody that I can figure out what they need from me. You know, and that's the true difference. One more question, man. One Go ahead. More. All yeah. right, so where, let's... I like, I like I, this. This I, is good. Nobody's liked, ever flipped the script on me. <laughs> I liked your question earlier about like, so you you said you've been doing this since you're like 20? Yeah. Okay. So so seven years in, mm-hmm. right? So if you could go back now to that 20-year-old, like what would you, what was the, what's one thing you do differently right off the bat? One thing I would do differently at 20 years old... Um, Man, because there's a lot of I say this because there's a lot of young trainers that are probably going to listen to this. I would say stop chasing the dollar. Yeah. I I chased the quickest buck that I could get so much that it drove me from one city to the other city. So I and people probably don't know about this or, or know this area. So I, I grew up in Simi Valley, and I would drive from Simi Valley over to like Westlake Village, which is about roughly I mean like. 12, 15 miles. We usually go by minutes. So it'd be right. like, you know, 15 minutes. If there's no traffic, I can get to Westlake Village. Then I'd go back to see me. I'd go to Ventura, which is like 30 miles away. <laughs> I'd come back to see me. 
And I would do that over and over again. And then I did, you know, it changed and I would go to Woodland Hills, which is like 26 miles away from Simi. Right. And I would just go back and forth and back and forth just trying to figure out where I can make some cash. And that drove me nuts. And it wasn't until I got to the gym that I'm at right now that I said, I'm done. Like, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to plant my feet and grow. And I'm going to figure out how to freaking do it. Yeah. And when I did that, my business took off. But then I also, I think another thing that changed for me was when I stopped treating my business like a hobby and treated it like a business. 100%. And I just, I grinded it out. And I think the... The other thing that made, you know, you said one, but I'm going to give you three. No, I love this. Uh, the other thing that made a big improvement was connecting with my clients. Yeah. You know, like you said, like, um, it was a, it wasn't, you know, I thought, I kind of took pride in myself. I'm like, oh, you know, my clients just come in, they train, they leave. Right. But once I started connecting with them yeah. and realizing who they were, yeah. that things started to get, things started to go a lot deeper right. and my business had another shift. So if I were to tell myself when I first started, I'd be like, you know, stay in one spot. You know, it doesn't matter if it's Westlake Village or L.A., which people, you know, young people today, they, that's what they think. They know, I need to go where the money is. Right. I mean, you're in, you know, no, no knock on Palm Desert, but no. you're in Palm Desert killing it right now, it's man. supposed to be seasonal. I didn't think anybody would be able to do what you're doing in a desert. I'm supposed to be out of business. Seriously. <laughs> and so just stick it, you know, figure out where you want to be and where you want to affect that location and just connect with the people there and you'll that. kill it. And before we go, I know we're probably, people are probably like, well, you two did shut up. What you, <laughs> what you said about treating it like a business, mm -hmm. if, you're a, if you're a young personal trainer or you're, you've been training for 10 years, like that's the piece of advice that I would give you is start to treat your, your personal training business as a real business. Like do get a coach, get a mentor. If you don't know how to run a business, find somebody that does that'll help you because it's the most vital thing. And once you start to treat it like a business and not like a hobby, that's when you're gonna be successful. That's yeah. when you're gonna find that there's a new level. And that's where you're gonna find that like the average trainer makes $30,000 a year. You can make a lot more than that if you start to treat your business as a business. Absolutely, but I think one thing that comes with that is recognizing your value. Absolutely. And once you recognize your value, then you truly treat your business like a business. Yeah. It's the, one of the things I told, I keep talking about Marissa, like you guys know her. One of the things I told her whenever she first started is I said, you do not do free sessions. You don't train family and friends for free. And this is your price. And she was like, okay. Because listen, you, your value, like you said, like most young trainers, like, oh my, you want to work out with me? Okay, well, $10. Like, yeah. I'll train you for $10. <laughs> like, and, you, and at the end of the day, like you said you were chasing money. I bet you weren't even making any money. Oh, no. I bet you were, you were probably oh. losing money oh, in, yeah. in the drives and yep. in the time and everything. And so figure out your value. Understand where you're at. Like if you're, you know, if you're in the rural community, you can't charge 150 bucks an hour. But understand where you're at and charge for your value. And don't be afraid that somebody's not going to pay it. Because if, yep. if you're good enough... And if you bring extreme value, like I said earlier, people make decisions, I believe they should make them on value and not on price. If you over-deliver and bring extreme value, people will pay the price that you set. Absolutely. And if they don't, they're not your right client. Yeah, you'll find your right client. Absolutely. You'll find, we call it, um, Lori um, coined this, she calls it your BCE, your best client ever. So we always talk about at the house, we're always like, this, that's my BCE. 
So now I can walk around. Like if, we, if, if you and I go for a drive or, and we go out on El Paseo, which is like the main street here, I can, I'll be like, that's my BCE right there. I can just look at you and tell. And once you get to a certain level, you'll get to that point. You probably know your clients. Oh, yeah. Like you can walk around and you'd be like, that dude's my client. Yeah. If I could just talk to him or that, that lady's my client. And you just get it. You know it because you know it's a business now. It's yeah. not a hobby anymore. And I don't take everybody. So I always tell – one more. Go, go. All right. So I always tell people. So if somebody calls me and says, hey, you know, I want to work out. I found you online or so-and-so mentioned you. I always say this, and this freaks people out, but it's the honest truth. I'm like, okay, cool. Come into the studio. That way you can decide if you like me and if I like you. And when you tell a client, I need to decide if I like you before we work, work out – it sets the standard for the relationship. And I've had people laugh and they're like, what? And I'm like, I gotta be honest with you, Doug. Um, we're gonna spend a lot of time together. Like it's important for me that you get the extreme value from me. And if we don't hit it off for some reason, then I'll find you somebody that does. Like I know a ton of trainers out here and I'll, I'll even call them for you. Um, but if we don't hit it off, then we can't, you know, we can't work together. And I've made mistakes before. Like I've literally had to give clients back a thousand dollar check. Like, cause it's not gonna work. Right? So don't be afraid to turn a client away. Don't be afraid to give a client their money back if you're not providing them extreme value because you just don't mesh, right? You gotta mesh. It's, this is a very intimate, personal thing. And the more intimate and personal you can get, the better results your client's gonna get. Absolutely. 100%. Jay, man, it's been a pleasure working with Can we do it again, you? dude? Can we dude, do this do again it. sometime? We will okay. definitely do it again. Okay. okay. Gonna... I, I think we, you, have, you have a ton more information that we can pull out of here. We're going to shut up for now as long as we can do it again. You guys heard this. If he doesn't do it again, let's give him shit. All right. <laughs> um, I'm, gosh, man. Um, Jay Nixon. So you can find me at thrivefitnessstudio.com. Um, theoverweightmind.com is where you'll find my book. Um, and nixonelite.com. So my last name, Nixon, and then the word elite is like my master website. I've had it for... 20 years so those are the three spots i'm on instagram facebook everywhere so let's connect man that's really it if i can help anybody listening to this like camera will tell you like i'm i'll do it like it's just who i am you're an incredible man jay thank you so much for today thank you dude that's it for this episode of the principles of fitness everyone i want to give jay a special thanks for being with us on the show today go check out his uh, studio thrive fitness studio it's located out in palm desert you can check it out also on instagram at thrive fitness studio or on facebook and also please check out his book the overweight mind you can look that up at theoverweightmind.com. thank you for tuning in everyone and we'll see you next time on the next episode of the principles of fitness